Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Freedom Through Faith. Prepare to be blessed as pastor and teacher Robert Thibodeau leads us into the anointed study of the Word of God, teaching and empowering you how to impact your world with the gospel of Jesus Christ, teaching you how to receive the blessings and provisions of God and how to walk through this life with Freedom Through Faith. And now, here's Pastor Robert Thibodeau. We now rejoin today's message already in progress. The first five books of the Bible. So at age 12, when they got ready to graduate, that was their test. Recite word for word the the Torah, the first five books. If they missed it, they're told, okay, you didn't make it. You can't go to the next level. Go home, work in a family business. If you could memorize and recite word for word the first five books of the Bible, the Torah. Then you were set aside in this little holding area, if you want to call it that, because from age 12 for the next 18 years to age 30 was the rabbi school. This was the school uh, called Bet Talmud, the school of the disciple. All right, And at age 30... You would be graduated as a rabbi. To get to that level, to get into the Bet Talmud school of the disciple, you had a test. You had to pass. That test was the the, uh, Torah, the first five books of the Bible. Wait a minute, Brother Bob. I thought you said... To graduate from elementary school, to go to the next level, you had to, yes, you had to memorize it and recite it. But to get to Bet Talmud, to be selected, to, to have a, a, a rabbi come and choose you as a disciple that he could teach you, you had to show you could answer questions about the Bible. Ask a question, not the Bible, the, the Torah. Ask questions about the Torah. Keep a conversation flowing about the Word of God through the Torah. So you had to be able to, you had to have a comprehensive knowledge and understanding and the ability to ask questions and answer questions based on Scripture. That's at age 12, folks. You got college graduates that can't do that today. But at age 12, if you could now, now, now remember, the test were at age six, there was a cut made. You wanted to go to the, the uh, Bet Safar, the school of the book, but if you couldn't memorize the book of Leviticus word for word, you were cut and sent home, disappointed. If you could, then you went to the next school for six years to graduate. And there was no, you know, at age 13, I took the test again. No, age 12 is a cut. 
If you could memorize and recite the first five books of the Bible, word for word, then you could go to the next level. If you couldn't, you're cut and sent home. Then they come in and give you a test. Those that recited the first five books, the Torah, they went to this other building. Then they were given the ability or the, the opportunity to ask and answer questions. It was a uh, grilling period, I guess you could say, where you'd be asked questions and be able to explain your answer from the Torah. And then ask questions from the Torah to your audience. If you could not do that adequately enough to impress the religious leaders who were given the test, you were cut and sent home to the family business. You knew the word. You knew what it said. You could ask some questions and you could answer some questions, but not enough to move to the next level. Those that could were now set aside. You've been vetted. You are now worthy to be a disciple of a rabbi. So now you are set apart for the final cut. And the 30-year-olds who are graduating from rabbi school now after 18 years of study and the Bet Talmud, they were now offered the opportunity to go into this building and everyone, it's the final cut. There may be a thousand youth in there and there's only 700 rabbis or 500 rabbis that are coming in, 300 rabbis, whatever the number is. Not everybody was going to be selected. They knew that. But as a newly graduated rabbi, you didn't have any disciples to teach or follow you. So where would you go and find your disciples? Into a pre-vetted venue where every 18-year-old in there has already demonstrated they have the knowledge and the understanding to be able to carry out a conversation about the Bible, the first five books of the Torah. The Torah. So that's where these rabbis will go, and they'd look and say, okay, you, follow me, and you, follow me, and you, follow me. And he'd get four, five, six disciples, and there that would be now his disciples, and he had the responsibility for teaching them everything he had learned from his rabbi. Okay? Those that did not get selected were all out of rabbis now. This was the last one. And there's still, you know, 200 kids left. They say, sorry, boys. You didn't get picked. Go home and work in the family business. You're done. And off they would go. They were completely disappointed. They'd lived their whole life up to 18 desiring to hear a rabbi say to them, follow me. But they didn't make the cut. So they left. Now, there, we covered last time, there are two types of rabbis. Those with, with regular authority. That means they got to teach what their rabbi taught them. Who taught them what their rabbi taught them. Who taught them what their rabbi taught them. On down, four, five, six generations. That's what you were limited to do. That was called your yoke. That was what you were teaching, what you had been taught by your rabbi was what you were supposed to teach your disciples as their rabbi. You couldn't stray from it. 
That was your yoke. That was the only authority you've been given is to teach this. Some people would be uh, dealing with finances, some with law, some with, you know, whatever. You had your little specialties, just like college graduates do today. And that's what you were limited to teaching. But every now and then, and we covered all this in detail last time, every now and then there would be a special rabbi who had demonstrated extreme competence, far above everyone else. And they would be given special authority to create their own line of teaching. That special authority was called Samika. Samika. And if you had Samika, you could create, beginning with you, an entire new line of teaching that had not existed before. Because you had been given the special authority to do so. And in order to receive that Samika, there had to be two independent witnesses. Jew, well, scholarly leaders, we'll say, in the Jewish religion. That at your baptism, and we covered this last time, that every time something significant happened in your life, you were baptized. Baptism did not start with John the Baptist. It was a, a cultural thing going on in Jewish society. If you got engaged to be married, you were baptized because your old life is now gone. Your new life begins now forward. You are now betrothed to someone. At marriage ceremony, baptized, you're now married. And, you, and rabbis would be baptized because now your old life is gone. You are now representing God. So a rabbi would have to be baptized at graduation. And as they graduated and were baptized, at that baptismal ceremony, you had to have two independent witnesses stand up for you and say, he has special authority. He's so good, we need to give him some Mika. One wouldn't do it. The Bible says clearly, out of the mouth of two or more witnesses, let every word be established. Now, we catch up to where, you know, from the being in the temple at age 12 to age 30, when Jesus comes to John the Baptist. Now you understand. They put that in. Why was that so significant about the uh, uh, Jesus being in the temple at 12 years old? Because he was being questioned. You know, he didn't go to a formal school. He didn't go to public school. Joseph and Mary used that money to hire private tutors the best they could afford. So when he still had to be vetted by religious leaders in order to be qualified to go on through his rabbi training. That's why he told his parents, don't you know I need to be about my father's business? They had been telling him who his heavenly father really was. And he also knew he had to prove he could go to the next level in his rabbi training. He had to be vetted. That's why he was amazed. At, why are you worried? Why Don't you know I need to be about my father's business? Because it says they were amazed at his knowledge and his questions. So he proved he understood the Torah. Now they hired 
private, probably the best rabbis in the land, probably in specialties. It wasn't just one tutor. See, Paul, when he was brought in for questioning and he was giving his testimony, he said, I was Hebrew of the Hebrews. I was taught in the way of Gamaliel. He was my, he was my rabbi. I was taught in his line. I was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. See, he was telling whose authority, whose yoke he was under. They had different rabbis giving Jesus a full, rounded education. Now he comes to John the Baptist. John sees him coming and says, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. This is the one I was telling you about. This is the one with Samika. Jesus comes, gets baptized. He comes up out of the water. There's no other witness around. So God the Father says, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Two witnesses. Jesus now has Samika. Samika. He has that special authority. Now, you're a disciple. I mean, I'm sorry, you're a rabbi. He's wearing his rabbi clothes. We know this because everywhere he goes, people call him rabbi, teacher. He doesn't have any disciples. Most new rabbis go back to the disciple school where they've pre-vetted these 18 or 12-year-olds so they can become disciples. Where does Jesus go? He's got Samika. He can do what he wants. He doesn't go to the 12-year-olds. He goes back to probably children he grew up with. But for sure, he knows there are some hard-working people who will do everything it takes to get the job done, who have been waiting to hear special words their entire life, but have missed out on, told they weren't worthy enough, told they weren't good enough, that they just didn't have what it takes. Jesus goes to a fishing village in Galilee, and that's where you see him talk to Peter and Andrew and John. And he says, follow me. I mean, they see him coming up to the shore. They say, what's this rabbi want? And this rabbi just yells out, follow me. And the Bible says they left everything. Because they'd waited their whole life to hear a rabbi say to them, follow me. That's why they left. I mean, Zebedee, his crew deserted him with no notice. We covered last time, boats were precious things. You know, you had to start off in the fishing business by working for somebody else, saving your money till you could buy your own boat. This was a big thing. <clears throat> Be like a truck driver today, just leaving his rig on the side of the road, forever leaving it. He says, follow me. That's why they left and started following Jesus. Then who does he go see? The Bible talks about he goes to the receipt of custom in Galilee and there's a man there by the name of Levi. We call him Matthew. What's he tell Matthew? Or Levi, and the Bible says, follow me. And it says, Matthew left everything. He left the money, he left the job, and everything. Now, we just got to this area when I closed last time. You got four fishermen that are disciples. You know, these are guys that will, will brawl in a heartbeat. They'd fight at the drop of a hat because they're fishermen, they're, they're dockworkers, they're longshoremen. They know. They're, they're tough. It's not wimpy people that are in fishing business in that day. And you got Matthew now, 
who was a tax collector in Galilee. Who was Matthew levying taxes against in Galilee? The fishermen. So here's this guy who was taxing these four fishermen, and we all know that all of the Jewish people hated the tax collectors because if they're you know they're required to do I'll just pick a number they're required to do a 10% tax they were laying 20% on the people so they had their living taken care of as well so who was the person that was hated the most in Galilee the tax collector besides the Roman legion and now Jesus has a tax collector on his team he got these four fishermen and then there'll be others who hate tax collectors. And I think Jesus, what what is Jesus' whole purpose in his discipleship teaching? What is the fundamental theme of Jesus' teaching? The love of God. That God loves you. He knows you sinned. He knows you are incapable of going to heaven on your own merits. And through the course of three years, Jesus teaches his disciples, that's why he sent me. That I could die in your place. But they're just starting out. He's not there yet. But what he's telling them is, the love of God covers all sin. The love of God is all you need. Now, boys, do you have enough love in you to love this tax collector? Because I asked him to follow me and he said yes. Can you accept him into your group? And because they're so excited that a rabbi has asked them to follow him, they're like, yeah, sure. They're demonstrating the love of God right off the bat. That's lesson number one on their trail of discipleship. The love of God, the forgiveness of sins. That is Jesus' samika. That is what he taught everywhere he went. God is love. He loves you. And he will forgive your sins if you will only believe on him who he sent. That's it. That was Jesus' Samika. All right. Now I'm all caught up. (laughs) Glory to God. How long into this are we now? Hallelujah. I don't even see my clock. Where's my clock at? There it is. Okay. Wow. It took me a half hour to do all that. Glory to God. All right. So we know the two types of Samika. We know the type of Samika Jesus has. He has the authority to create his own yoke. His own yoke. All right. Over and now in Matthew chapter 7, he gets done teaching the Sermon on the Mount. We covered last time why so many people came out that he had to climb up on a hillside to speak to them all. What was the draw? And that's where we ended last time. It's because they heard there was a rabbi in town who had Samika. And it was so rare to have a rabbi with Samika where he could create his own teaching. They'd heard all the teaching of the other rabbis every Sabbath day. Amen. They knew everything. Okay, this is the guy you want to go talk to about finance. This is the guy you want to talk to about starting a business. This is the rabbi you want to go talk to about education and all that. What's this new Samika? Let's go listen to this rabbi with new Samika. So that's why massive crowds followed Jesus everywhere he went. They wanted to hear this new teaching. And then it's, you know, the word is spreading that his Samika is 
God loves you. He forgives your sins if you believe on him who he sent. And people are getting healed in his meetings. Miraculous acts of God. Nicodemus came to Jesus by night said, We know God's with you because you can't do the things you do unless God's with you. They understood God was with Jesus verifying his samika, his authority. Amen. And at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, in verse 20, it says, It came to pass when Jesus had ended his teachings, the people were astonished at his doctrine, at his teaching, which is his yoke. They were astonished at his yoke. He taught them as one having authority, not as the scribes taught. Not the English version of this is all messed up. Says he taught them as one having authority, not as the and not as the scribes. The scribes were limited to teaching what they had been taught. They couldn't venture from it. When it says he taught them as one having authority, that word authority is translated samika. So it says it came to pass that Jesus ended these sayings. The people were astonished at his teaching because he taught them as having samika. Not like the scribes did. He taught this completely. This is a whole new way of life. Amen. Glory to God. And you could continue on in verse 8. When he came down from the mountain, the multitudes followed him. Why? Because he has Samika. We want to hear this new teaching. And a leper came worse and said, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Here is a leper shunned from society. He shouldn't be anywhere near Jesus. Amen. Jesus, though, has this new Samika that God loves you. He forgives your sins. Lepers of the day were considered so... What's the word I'm looking for, Lord? Shunned. You know, they, they believed leprosy was a curse from God for some kind of sin. You sinner! That's why God has cursed you with this leprosy. Away from society. And they kick them out. You can't even come near any person. They had to stay so many feet away at all times and have their clothes and face covered. And they'd have to yell out, Leper, leper, leper. If people came near them so they would stay far away from them. They could never have any contact with anybody. But this leper heard Jesus' teaching. Because he's on the hillside. He's yelling as far as he can. His voice is carrying. This leper heard the teaching Jesus just gave on the Sermon on the Mount. And everybody's talking about this new Samika. The multitudes are following. And this leper just pushes his way through all these people, which he could be stoned for. And he comes and worshiped him. means he fell at his feet, saying, Lord, Master, If you want to, because you have Samika, you can make me clean. Verse 3, Jesus put forth his hand and touched him. This leper has not had anybody touch him for years. They wouldn't even come near him. And Jesus reached out his hand and touched him. Oh, I I don't have the words to describe this, folks. Could you imagine going years and years and years never having a hug? 
and you finally have someone who gives you a hug and says, I love you. You just melt right in their arms and weep because it had been so long since anybody said that to you, let alone touched you. And that's what this leper experienced. Jesus didn't just say, be clean. Now get away from me. He reached out his hand and touched. I believe he put his arm around him and said, I want to be clean. Amen. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Then Jesus says, now, don't tell anybody about this. Go and show yourself to the priest. Because the priests had to be the ones that examined him and declare him clean of leprosy. And then once you're declared clean, offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. He's not saying it was a testimony to God. Go and give this offering now to God because God is well pleased with it. No, he's saying, so you can be admitted back into society now. Go show yourself to the priest. Let them examine you. Once you're declared clean, go to the temple and offer the offering that's commanded that they're expecting you to offer now, that Moses commanded. That way you are accepted back into Jewish society. That's the purpose for what he said. He didn't say, now, don't go tell everybody that I'm healing people. He said, no, just don't tell it, don't talk to anybody now. Because technically, legally, you're still a leper until the priests declare you as clean. So don't tell anybody this. Don't go home. Don't you know? Go straight to the priest. Let them examine you. That's that's what Jesus is trying to tell this guy to do. Okay, it's not because he didn't want anybody to know that he'd healed this leper. No, there's a multitude right there. They all know Jesus healed the leper. He's telling the guy to be admitted back into society. Go do what Moses said. Show yourself to the priest. Let him declare you cleansed. Go to the temple. Offer the offering that Moses commanded. And then the priest will say, you can come back into society again. That's what he wanted. Amen. Glory to God. You have just heard a message of encouragement from anointed pastor and teacher Robert Thibodeau with Freedom Through Faith Ministries in Baltimore, Maryland. For more information on the Freedom Through Faith Ministries or to invite Pastor Thibodeau to your church, please visit our website, www.ftfm.org. That's FTFM for Freedom Through Faith Ministries. Again, that's ftfm.org. Until next time, when we gather together around the Word of God, be blessed. And remember, we serve an awesome God. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.